Due to COVID-19, this podcast was recorded remotely and may contain adult language and themes. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, the show where we talk about what makes the TV shows we love great. My name's Adam and I'm here with Neil. Hey guys. And Demo. Hello. How are we doing chaps? Fantastic. Thank you. Been able to catch up on more TV series and mostly ones that we've already started because I I, want to finish what I've started. However, I've also watched a couple of new things I haven't before. What have you been watching new? Well, I've obviously watched Flight Attendant because we said we would and we'll come to that. But I've also watched the first episode of Ted Lasso, which actually made me laugh and I think the more I watch I'm likely to become very fond of Ted looking forward to watching more of that. I've been held back from starting Ted Lasso by Cobra Kai but yeah really looking forward to getting teeth stuck into Ted Lasso. I'm so glad to hear that lads I'm almost up to date with the season two as it's coming out. I haven't watched much else this week. Nothing new. Like both of you, I've just kind of carried on trying to get through everything that I've started watching. And obviously, for our sins, uh, we watched the first episode of The Flight Attendant. Well, let's keep our powder dry on that one for a little while longer. <laughs> so of the stuff that we've been continuing to watch, what have you been enjoying the most? I've been watching more of Power Book 3, which is still building and growing into something that I think that might be as good as Power Book 1. I haven't had a chance yet to go back and watch more Underground Railroad. I've watched a little bit more Becoming a God. And Love on Netflix. Been on the TV in the living room for the past couple of days. So I've caught snapshots of that. And whilst I'm a fan of Gillian Jacobs from Community, I'm not sure that show is for me. Damo, what is Love? That's a really good question. The TV show, what, what's it about? Oh, I, I thought you were talking about the Hadaway classic. So I don't really know, to be honest. It just seems to be a lot of relatively good looking people living in LA, in creative jobs, just living their goddamn lives and trying to find love. Relatively good looking, are they, Damon? Well, they're in California and they're on TV. So I think compared to certain parts of this island that we call the United Kingdom, I'd say they're probably quite attractive. I guess it depends on the room that that we find ourselves in. I think we could probably hold our own against them. Well, we are a handsome bunch. I'm loving Lovecraft country. I've not got to the end of season one yet, but I am genuinely enjoying that. Becoming a god, I'm probably around about episode six or seven, and I'm really losing interest. How far into Lovecraft Country are you? Episodes, I'm about halfway through. And I am honestly really enjoying it. I watched episode five the other day. And I th- having thoroughly enjoyed episode four, I found episode five just utterly bonkers. There's so much going on in that show. I'm still enjoying the ride. It is bonkers. I'm not denying that. It's a really enjoyable watch. I'm not sure. So you said episode five. Have you, have you seen The Dragon yet? Oh, maybe that's in a couple episodes then. Is that a wind-up? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) It had to be a wind-up, but it did honestly catch me for a second. (laughs) 
I'm glad it was, otherwise there'd have been some spoiler smackdown going on. I have finished The Underground Railroad. I'm sure we will come back to it when you guys have both caught up a bit more, but definitely worth a watch and some of those latter episodes incredibly moving. I've also watched a couple more episodes of This Is Us and enjoying that still. It's a nice and gentle journey so far. Some really lovely performances in there. How far are you along in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Adam? I'm still in season one, uh, which is which is really bad. I know I, just other stuff has kept me from it. Fair enough. It's getting very close now to some of the shows that we have been talking about. Certainly next week, we get the new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the first season of Marvel's What If, both of which I know we're looking forward to. So much. It's so long ago since the end of series seven, was it, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think I might have to see if I can quickly do a rewatch before, is it the 12th? Yeah, 12th of August for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, 11th of August for What If. And we are now just, as the day of recording, 16 days away. It's over two weeks from the return of The Walking Dead. Honestly, I cannot wait. I'm trying to, but I cannot wait. So let's break the ice and let's dive in. Let's take off, approach the runway gently and start dissecting Flight Attendant, which was a show we were all going to watch. It's been nominated for an Emmy. This is the story of Cassandra Bowden, who's a flight attendant. She drinks fairly heavily. She's a little bit not completely professional in her role. And she ends up going on a date with one of the passengers of a flight and wakes up the next morning to find that he is lying in the bed next to her with his throat cut. And that's where I think the first episode leaves. No, it's then about what she does after she's discovered that. Yeah, sadly, it carries on. Maybe you should start this off with explaining why you suggested we watch this. Sure. I mean, this was an Emmy-nominated comedy. And when I was looking for shows to put forward for the face-to-face off, I wanted to put something forward that I didn't think would win against the Underground Railroad. And so I picked this show. I had heard some good things about it. Obviously, it's nominated for an award. And I... Just thought it would be a good fun antidote, really, to the sort of horror and the trauma that we've been going through with some of the other shows we've been watching. Let's also just be clear that this never won anything from me or Damo. We decided to watch it because of the comedy um, element of the Emmys. This never won a face-off. I completely absolve both of you from any blame related to the fact that we have all spent time watching Flight Attendant. <laughs> enough of all of that, what did you actually think of it? Oh, I loved it, David. <laughs> I wish I'd been seated near an emergency exit. Let's put it that way. It's not for me, but to be honest, I did think it would be. It's an interesting premise, but I'm not a fan of, um, is it Kaylee? I don't like Big Bang Theory. Although um, Mikhail Hoisman, who plays Alex Sokolov, who's a great actor. He was Dario Naharis in Game of Thrones. He's in loads of other great shows, some to be found on Netflix. He's okay in it, I thought, but all in all, it's just one of those shows where... Uh, I, I just don't like the character. And so everything she does annoys me. Uh, like both of you, I was very up for watching this. It had a lot going for it. I am a big, big fan theory 
watch it. Like, I, I love it. And I love Kelly Cuoco. But despite an amazing cast, we mentioned Kelly, we mentioned Michael and Michelle Gomez. is definitely worth a mention. Who's Missy in Doctor Who. There's some fantastic performers there. I have to say it, the writing is terrible. As a fan of Archer, the animated series, there's a huge influence, particularly in the opening credits, but also throughout showing different things at the same time. There's a lot of split screen montage to get us through some of the stuff a bit quicker, which from my point of view was a, a welcome thing. Whilst we're on the cast, I thought one of the small saving graces was also Zosha Mamet, who's a fast talking lawyer who I am a little bit suspicious of when it comes to the plot. There's a couple of moments where there's a few little bits that make me just go, hmm, I wonder what she's up to there. But she is really good in it. I think the cast do an okay job. I mean, it's just a bit flabby. We get these moments where Cassie goes into flashback or hallucination. She's kind of remembering bits and pieces. She's blacked out. So she was so drunk, she's blacked out. She doesn't remember what happened. She doesn't know how this man has died. So we start getting these little flashbacks. It's mixed in with these almost Ali McBeal-style hallucinations. I feel like that's the thing that they were going for, that quirky move into headspace. But they just don't work in the same way for me. They just fall a bit short. What you end up getting is hearing her thoughts about stuff that, as an audience, we already know. So it slows the whole process down. I just find it really lazy writing. So what I will say is a couple of positive things. It was nice to see Rosie Perez working again. She's also been in White Men Can't Jump, loads of other great things from back in the day. She's not been as prolific in the last few years. I still think she's an absolute legend. I think she did admirably with what she had. And I guess one of the show's big saving graces is how lovely is Bangkok? <laughs> what a great place to set the opening scenes and the decadence of that life that Alex Sokolov comes from. It does have some nice production values. So we've talked already about the split screen montages and the locations. They're kind of all stylishly dressed. Just needed a good script editor, really. There was a bit for me that made me laugh. Let's not forget this is in the comedy category. And I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of why that's problematic for me. But the wake me up before you go-go moment did genuinely make me laugh. After the opening credits, which I thought, again, were really good. Her alarm, her phone alarm is waking up before you go-go. She wakes up groggily opens the curtains, turns around and sees the dead body, and then the snooze button kicks in and wake me up before you go-go plays again. I mean, did you find that funny? Yeah, I thought that was okay. I, I mean, it, it's it's a low bar, but no, it was funny. And then when it came back the, the third time and she cut her foot and she was like quite deep into the destroying of evidence section, that was also, I thought, funny, yeah. So the main reason I didn't find this funny is that we're dealing with a character who's an alcoholic who is essentially suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, described as a trauma D. And I don't know how much we can be expected to laugh about somebody going through what she's going through. Yeah, Adam, you watch more than me and Dama have. Can you give any light to that and whether it is actually worth persevering with. I think if you didn't enjoy the first episode, you're probably not going to enjoy much more. Certainly the pacing of it doesn't really improve. I'm curious to see how the story itself is going to evolve, treating it more as a murder mystery show 
than as a comedy. It's definitely problematic. I'm going to take one for the team and see it through to the end, but I, I can't hand on heart say I would recommend that either of you do the same. I would possibly watch more of it if I didn't have a huge watch list at the moment. There's many other TV shows that I would rather give an hour of my time to. And if there was any way of legally achieving this, I would like to get an hour back of my life having watched Flight Attendant. Let's talk about our Emmy-nominated comedies. I want to kick this off by talking a bit more about Cobra Kai. I have now finished the second season, so I've just got the new the Emmy-nominated season to go. This is what has prevented me from starring Ted Lasso or finishing Lovecraft Country. Just so watchable. It's a mix between a, a teen drama and a retro 80s comedy. But there's so much in there, I think, for all sorts of ages and, and interests. I think the most important question right now is, Damo, have you watched The Karate Kid yet? Um, no. And I don't think that's a problem. You may never watch The Karate Kid. You can still enjoy Cobra Kai without having watched The Karate Kid. That's how good I think it is. There's enough in there. The writing of this is really slick and it is really tight. And you seesaw your affections for the different characters who are all complex and interesting. Definitely goes from one side to the other. They do things that make you frustrated. They do things that you can cheer about. They definitely do things that make you laugh. And a lot of the comedy comes from the, the Johnny Lawrence's character's discovery of what it's like to live in the current day. Because he's so stuck in his 80s role. Moments where he gets a laptop for the first time and just how he describes his answering phone message are really, really funny. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that Cobra Kai has been cast within the Emmy comedy category. I have even more questions about flight attendants being put into the Emmy's comedy category, but I don't really see it as a comedy. I, I, I don't know why I see it as, to be honest. Your thoughts, I mean, you've watched more than I have. I think it's very funny. There's, it is a mix of this teen drama, but kind of how the 80s relate to where we are now and how the kind of problems of where we are now for young people didn't exist in the 80s. And that's kind of where a lot of the, the humour and the comedy comes. The performances by William Zabka, who plays Johnny Lawrence, and, and Ralph Macchio, who plays Daniel LaRusso, the rivalry of these two middle-aged men and kind of how that spirals out to everyone that they are in and around. There's lots of humour that comes out of that. So of all the comedies that I've seen, and I've only seen a few of them so far, this is definitely the one that's made me laugh the most. I've watched the first couple of episodes of season one of Cobra Kai. As a Karate Kid fan, um, I absolutely loved it. But no, I will definitely continue. They've definitely nailed their end of season cliffhanger. Can't recommend it highly enough. If you're worried that you don't know enough about Karate Kid, just wouldn't let that put you off. Are we ready to move on to what's been nominated for comedy series? As I said earlier, I dipped my toe into the Ted Lasso water and it was very warm and pleasant. I enjoyed it. What else on the comedy nominations do we need to watch or talk about? So the full list, including the three we've already mentioned, Ted Lasso, Flight Attendant and Cobra Kai, is Blackish, Emily in Paris, Pen15, The Kaminsky Method and Hacks. Probably the easiest one to start with is the Kaminsky method because it was a face-to-face-off winner 
Yeah, my brother actually said that he he watched the whole thing and really enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to go back and give the Kaminsky method another go. Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. Michael Douglas plays a an acting coach, and Alan Arkin is his agent and friend. And it deals with their journey. It's a lot of old people jokes and acting jokes. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the first watch. I felt like there was a huge amount of tropes, and it really just didn't interest me. But I'm very up for friends like yourselves um, whose opinions I value saying I should watch more of the series. Damien, any of those that you've watched or interested in watching more of? Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, Ted Lasso, as I've said loads of times, I absolutely love. I agree the Kaminsky method wasn't quite for me, but lots of people have said that it's great, so I could be persuaded to give it another go when my TV watching load lightens. I have watched the first two series of Blackish, which I thought was great. I thought it was very funny. Anthony Anderson, who plays Dre, who's the lead, and Tracy Ellis Ross, who plays Rainbow, his wife. Yeah, it's a really interesting look at what life is like for upper middle class African-American family. And there's lots of things uh, for people to take away who aren't black to think about, you know, microaggressions and these things that people can say unwittingly that can be quite offensive. Obviously, as I said, I haven't seen any of this latest series, but I'm sure it's very good. There's quite a few seasons of this one, isn't there? Already? Yeah, and I think they're long seasons as well. And that classic half hour, once or twice a, a week release schedule. It's really good. And I'd be interested to see now, so many years down the line, what the actors who play the children, how they're doing since they would have aged considerably now from when I saw them. Seven seasons, 162 episodes of that, and it has been renewed for an eighth and final season. So I'm definitely going to dip into Blackish. This is going to be an experiment for me because I'm going to try watching the first episode of the latest series first because I just don't think I'm going to get time to get through 160 episodes of it. But I have watched, as mentioned in, a, in an episode we did a few weeks back, a couple of episodes of Pen 15 and really enjoyed it. It's very funny. There's lots of humour in here. Created by Maya Erskine, Anna Conkle and Sam Zwiebelman. Erskine and Conkler star in it as two young girls uh, making their way through middle school. They play versions of themselves as 13-year-old social outcasts in the year 2000, surrounded by actual 13-year-olds. It's on my list. I really want to see it, but I've just not had time to... It's now a good time to tease Ted Lasso. Damo's a huge fan. I watched the first episode and it has genuinely got me excited about watching more. Ted Lasso is a sitcom about an American coach for an American football team coming to London, England to coach the AFC Richmond. It's a kind of classic fish out of water comedy where he is very American, very open, very folksy, very charming. And he finds himself in this kind of cutthroat, closed up British world of professional soccer. Brett Goldstein is one of the chief writers. He also plays one of the leads. He plays uh, Roy Kent, who is one of the team's superstars who's now ageing uh, and not quite as good as he used to be. But there's lots of really good people in it. Juno Temple plays Keely Jones, who's very good. Hannah Waddingham, who plays Rebecca, who is the owner 
of AFC Richmond, also brilliant, as well as Jason Sudeikis, who plays the eponymous Ted. In any other hands, it would be schmaltzy. For those who are lactose intolerant, it would be too cheesy to digest. I think it's handled very well. I think it's really nice writing and it's just one of those kind of classic feel-good shows where the people who are set up to be the people you don't like or the baddies, for want of a better word, aren't necessarily that bad. They're just misguided, much like, say, Parks and Recreation. Let's talk about Emily in Paris. Do we have to? Well, we've got to mention it a little bit, just in case. Yeah, we do have to. It's part of the Emmy nominations. Um, I have watched, and it's a really enjoyable, easy watch. Can you tell us a bit more about what it's about now? Well, it's basically about a girl called Emily in Paris, as you could imagine. It's her life. Well, she basically has to create a life within Paris. This, this sounds so bullshit. Because it is. It's got a very similar vibe to um, Amelie the film. I watched it with my parents because they said they were loving it and I enjoyed watching it with them. It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm going to definitely check out an episode or two. It's about that culture clash, isn't it? This American in this French marketing firm. So I think there's definitely potential for some comedy in there. There's some great actors in it. Yes, Lily Collins is the star of the show, isn't she? So the final show on the list is Hacks. Now, this is not available to view in the UK. The only way you can watch it is through a, a VPN. Um, you would need to access HBO Max. So get your finger out HBO and get it over here so we can watch it and talk about it. It stars Gene Smart, Hannah Einbinder and Carl Clemens Hopkins. It's about a Las Vegas stand-up comedy diva and a Gen Z comedy writer and like these two teaming up. Anyone heard anything else about Hacks? Not especially. Like you said, it's really difficult because it's not available this side of the pond. I mean, we just have to rely on the fact that if it's any good, it will eventually come over to one of our channels. And if it doesn't, it probably wasn't worth watching. Something that was worth watching about 20 years ago was the first series of The Office. It's 20 years since The Office first aired. And I'm talking about the original UK version of The Office as created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. I thought it might be a good opportunity as we're talking about comedies to just reflect on how groundbreaking The Office was, what you enjoyed about it and whether you think it stood the test of time. Well, it, it genuinely was groundbreaking. It established a sense of humour that was very dry and very self-deprecating. De Wait, sorry, no. self-deprecating. Tell me more about that, Damo. What do you, what, <laughs> what do you know about self-deprecating? Is set a benchmark for comedy? So I didn't watch it at the time. I have to say, I watched it a couple of years later. So I think it came out when I was at uni and I was too busy having fun to watch TV. So I watched it a few years later and did enjoy it. I was a big fan of Spinal Tap, Christopher Guest mockumentaries. It really did change the landscape of comedy. One of the things that I really liked about The Office is what it's done as a kind of father or cool uncle. What it's done to that genre of mockumentary because there's been so many big shows since that I think have, have been really important shows to watch. Obviously, the US office that then went on to have Parks and, Rec Parks and Recreation for its full title, which 
but the first series was very much trying to ape the office and it didn't quite work and then it found its own way and then became I think one of the best shows of that decade back here in the UK there's a great show called People Just Do Nothing which is another mockumentary set on a pirate radio station in Brentford which I absolutely love because I used to be a garage DJ back in the day. That was actually picked up from a YouTube video. The producer, I can't remember his name now, but the main producer for The Office caught wind of their YouTube videos and the pilot they've written, and that's how it got commissioned for BBC Three. And funnily enough, this week we see the release of their film, People Just Do Nothing Big in Japan, which I am looking forward to. It'll be the first time I've been in a cinema in about three years. The Office itself was inspired by other TV shows, things like the Fly on the Wall documentaries of uh, Airplane or Airport or whatever it was called. Um, is it Driving School? They're parodying these Fly on the Wall documentaries. In, and obviously launched the careers of some actors, people like Martin Freeman, Mackenzie Crook, Ricky Gervais himself, Stephen Merchant. They have all gone on to do big things from Marvel movies to Hobbits and Pirates of the Caribbean. I think the heart of it was the romance between Martin Freeman and Lucy Davis, who played Tim and Dawn, and the will-they-won't-they they romance. Richard Curtis actually described it as one of the greatest romantic stories of all time. You mentioned earlier the American version of The Office, which actually went on for nine seasons, but the show has also been adapted in nine other countries. Did you know that? No. Tell us more. There's some quite surprising ones in there. I wonder if we can game this a little bit and and ask you to guess what country might The Office have been franchised into. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Damien, you can go first. I mean, can we get an idea of continents? Because there's over 250 countries, so... I will say uh, four different continents. Five goes each, five countries each. Whoever scores the most after that. Um, let's go for Germany. One point for Damien, well yes. done. Okay, China. China is incorrect, I'm afraid. Oh. So my next guess is a neighbour of China's, Japan. Japan is also incorrect. Not ah! Oh, OK. France. France is correct. Well done, Neil. It's level at one apiece after two penalties each. I'm going to move from Europe. Let's go for... Oh, <laughs> this is tough now. Let's go for Brazil. I'm afraid Brazil is not correct. Yeah, I knew it was bad as soon as I said it. Canada? Canada is correct, Neil. Well done. Two once and Neil after three. How does, how does that count? What do you mean, how does that count? You do know Canada's a separate country to the United States. Big love to our Canadians. The Netherlands? No, I'm afraid not, Damien. Sorry, the Netherlands were not one. I think the low hanging fruit's gone now. You've got to think a little bit outside of the box. Liechtenstein. <laughs> not that not that far outside of the box. No, very <laughs> Liechtenstein, wasn't it? Last guess each then. Neil's currently a 2-1 up. I don't know. Um, oh, what about New Zealand? No. <laughs> Sorry, it's only because you were so delighted with your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid it's not, not, not on our last mm -hmm. six. Neil, do you want to see if you can pull further ahead with your last guess? Australia. No, I'm afraid Australia wasn't one of them either. So the other six, Chile, a million miles away with Brazil, the Czech Republic, Sweden, Finland, Israel, 
and most recently India. A little bit of fun, a little bit of a competition. We love a bit of gaming and TV DNA. An interesting piece of news that I saw this morning on my way into work. Last year, a third of waking hours were spent watching TV or streaming stuff online on average in this country. Quite frankly, I think people need to be watching more. Big rise in people streaming stuff on Netflix and Amazon Prime, and about 80% of households now have a TV that connects to the internet. Talking about Netflix, some interesting news that I heard this week is that, I can't remember the person's name, which is really useful and makes the podcast sound professional, Netflix have employed someone quite big in the gaming industry because I think long-term they're thinking of moving into offering a streaming game service as part of what they're going to provide. So that's something to keep an eye out for going forwards. So how can people get in touch with us? It's interesting you ask that question once again, as you always do. We can be found at TVDNAPod on Instagram and on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook if you put TV space DNA in the search bar. And of course, should you wish to contact us with a long response, our email address, which is tvdnapod at gmail.com. I'm sure that's what it is. And there's no need to check. Again, contact with us. Let us know what you're looking forward to. Please rate, subscribe, and tell us what you think about our musings on the flight attendant. Well, I think we could just return all our trays to the upright position, fasten our seatbelts, and get out of here. Sounds like a good idea to me. Thanks, chaps. It's been a blast. Bye. Bye. And this is the story of, I can't remember her name. Lady Coco. Can't remember the character's name. Lainey McLamison. Is it time to put the parachutes on and, I don't know. (laughs) Let's park that plane in the runway, in the hangar. (laughs) Stop that. I'm not saying it's Oscar winning or even Emmy winning. winning. We can be found at Pod. On Instagram. <laughs> Sorry. It's just your little nod there. <clears throat>